Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- a Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. 
get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. And in fact, for all of those of you in this audience, this news is about to change your lives forever. Well, get ready, because our amazing friends at Virgin Voyages are giving every single person in this audience a free cruise! Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. What did we (laughs) see tonight? The sauciest mental all I've ever seen. Never seen nothing like this. And I seen a lot. <laughs> I did a hyper binge once. Remember that? I seen a lot. Arguably the most possible. <laughs> Arguably for sure. And I think I've seen a lot of sauce. I've heard a lot of sauce. I've listened to all the official Badger Nation podcasts. We do our digging deeper mm-hmm. every other week on our Patreon. Another one's coming out Monday. That's yeah. all about the sauce wars. But what we saw tonight was more sauce crammed into a single piece of the document, a single portion of the record than I have ever seen in my life, than I even thought existed. Let's just be real. This shit was sauce top to bottom. We're not even talking about the giant tub of sauce. We're talking about the rest (laughs) of the episode. It was, look... You know how I feel about Dark Lord Palmer. I think he's an innocent in all of this. Oh, my God. However, that was definitely tested tonight with what they made him do. (laughs) Not only was the Dark Lord Palmer full acting through this whole fucking show, everyone was. This is the first entirely scripted piece of The Bachelor we have ever seen. In my opinion, every word scripted. All of this has been rehearsed a hundred times. <laughs> I don't know if it goes that far, but <laughs> like the rehearsal. Yeah, exactly. It's Nathan Fielder produced this episode of The Bachelor. Um, we're gonna get into how how saucy it all was, but if you haven't picked up a Sauce Wars T-shirt to celebrate this era that we are in, the Sauce Wars, you have to get one now at GameOfRoses.co because. I just don't know how to explain how much... This was all sauce. Everything we saw tonight was all sauce. I did not think they were capable of doing this. It was the sauciest sauce I've ever sauced. It was literally sauce when Meatball dumps it on himself. It was metaphorically sauce with all the lies that are promoted through this entire episode. It was spiritually sauce, I felt like, at a certain (laughs) point. Because there was that one shot. We'll get into this. But there was that one shot of Meatball's socks sliding around in the sauce. They were like trying to disgust us with sauce itself. Unreal. Can't wait to get to all of it. Yes. Historic game. But yeah, pick up that shirt. It's now you have to. That's just that's just the business. That was our business. Now what are we here for? <laughs> exactly. Let's do what we came here to do. <laughs> and now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present. Analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. All right, so we already knew going into this that we're going to have a hometown 
first. So this begins, as all of our episodes of our beloved game begin, with an intro tonight on a very special episode of The Bachelorette. They go hard on Logan, it looks like. Kang looks like he's going to go on the offense. Roby shows up with blonde hair. Vandergriff gets some screen time. Meatball is dumping sauce over himself. Literally, this is in the fucking promo. A uh, night full of surprises we hear, news that are going to change your lives forever, the audience cheering, and it all starts right now. Portion one begins. Dark Lord Palmer emerges onto the stage, and I have to say, I love uh, the fucking stage and the fucking live studio audience. I love it. Mm-hmm. There is nothing to me that is more Bachelor than that. And granted... They didn't always have that live studio audience. It came in in later seasons. It wasn't there in season one, but eventually they get to it. What love level did you feel about the stadium seating on couches where some of the players were a mile away from uh, Dark Lord Harrison? It had its charms. Love level one. You know, I can can look back on that fondly. Yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised I have such strong feelings for you, old style seating. I have butterflies for the old style seating, but I love the studio as well. There's just something so strangely comforting about it. It's like being in a strip mall or something because the audience, much like the show itself. (laughs) The most comforting thing that exists, a strip mall. For somebody who grew up in the suburbs of Dallas, Texas, strip malls are very near and dear to my heart as are regular brick and mortar malls. But that audience always is a facsimile of a true audience. None of those people are, in quotes, real real people. I mean, they are, certainly, but they're all coached. The producers tell you what to do and what to say. They shoot things out of order at all of these live shows. So the producers will just come out and say like, okay, everybody in the audience now applaud loudly and say yay. And then they shoot that. No, they shoot that all at the beginning. That's what I'm saying. All of the reactions. Yeah, they shoot all the reactions out of order. They come out and tell you what to do, and then they cut those in where they need them. So even the reactions you're seeing from the audience in the document are not real. None of it is. This is the most produced of all the episodes, and tonight was the most produced of the most produced of all of these (laughs) episodes. It was fucking insane. So DLP emerges to out to this adoring audience. Immediately, what do we see? A sign in the audience that says, speak French to me, Jesse. Now, we have some very important news about this sign. (laughs) Pace Case, will you please explain this news? I feel like I manifested this sign with my scream about Dark Lord Palmer the other week. It was a beautiful sign. It's the only sign in this entire mental all that I can get on board with because I love (laughs) Jesse Palmer speaking French. It was part of what led me to my innocence revelation that he is innocent in all of this. You don't actually think that. I do. Oh, my God. I can't believe this. What? He's fucking straight acting this whole episode. He's doing what he has to. But they're making him. He is a babe in the woods. They're paying him. So he's literally doing it for for a just purely money reason. But this mm-hmm. sign that says, speak French to me, Jesse. What ends up happening with this sign, Pace Case? Please excuse me from this narrative. <laughs> what? What do you mean what happens to the sign? You took a picture of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant in the document. 
Oh, you mean in the game outside of the game, the parasocial game? Yes. Okay. So, yes, this is breaking news, actually. I can't believe I <laughs> didn't pick up your cue. So, <laughs> I posted this image to my Instagram at Pace Case. Uh, I said, I put the picture, speak French to me, Jesse. And I said, finally, a relatable mental all sign at Jesse Palmer at Game of Roses Pod. And guess who reposted it? Dark Lord Palmer himself. He did not add any commentary like, Pace Case, thank you for defending me against Bachelor <laughs> Clues's like vicious attacks that are completely unwarranted or anything like that. But uh-huh. I do feel like we are now friends. I do too. And I think this may be how you leave Game of Roses. Eventually, the Dark Lord's going <laughs> to offer you a job on a Sauce Wars pos- podcast. You're going to have to go. You're going to be the next host on Clickbait. But this sign, speak French to me, Jesse. He's going to have to meet my my quote. <laughs> <laughs> Million dollars. Pay, hashtag pay pays case. Hashtag pay pays case. <laughs> this sign, as with all signs, is not made by the person holding it aloft. No, this sign is made by a PA and in, that PA is instructed to make it by a producer who says, here's what to write on that sign. Then they hand the signs out to audience members. This is all fake. I'm sorry, Pace Case. DLP then tells us that history was made because of two bachelorettes. Double the drama, double the tears, double the romance. He says he does not mention half the screen time. And he says, hopefully we'll be getting two engagements. He says they, they're going to be able to take a sneak peek at something later that'll have all Bachelor Nation in tears, just what we want. And we cut to the mm-hmm. audience to then see this guy in a headband and a wig, and he's holding a little yellow... What did Hayden Markowitz call it? The cancer duck or something like that? It's this dog toy that he gave his dog Rambo. And the guy that is in this outfit is dressed like the movie character played by Sylvester Stallone in the 1982 film Rambo. Now, I don't know how many people got that reference because it's an old reference. I haven't seen Rambo did not get the reference. I thought he was dressed as Hayden Markowitz. And I was like, oh, I guess he's making fun of his like big hair. <laughs> what What was the red headband? And has the cancer duck. There was a, I didn't even see a headband. Oh my God. He, he very 100% was dressed as Sylvester Stallone's movie character. But again, I don't know if most of the audience catches that reference. And that guy, that outfit, that's all done by producers. I don't know if that guy was a an actor because they will sometimes hire actors in this audience to come out and do stuff with the players on stage like Connor the Catman B making out with um I forget her name but a woman came out of the audience to kiss him because he was it was said that he was a bad kisser on his season and he's going to have a chance to make it up. That woman was a paid yeah. actress. There have been people come up to cut pe- a lock of John Paul John's hair, I think, that was an actress. The guy with the tattoo that Lace Morris dealt with, that was an actor. Yes. I dressed up as Lace Morris for our live show earlier today, and I put the tattoo as the background of my screen because it was one of my favorite women tell all moments ever. Although it turned out that the tattoo he had gotten was fake and he was just like a comedian. Yeah, they're all paid. If they're they're doing something strange that's out of the scope of a normal audience member, that is an actor. I assume this guy also is. So then we get told before the drama unfolds, we have some unfinished business. Avon's hometown. We still have to see that. So this isn't a mental yet. It's the last one-seventh of 
hometown playoff round one. And we go to Salem, Massachusetts. And DLP tells us it's cursed. Literally says that. <laughs> then we're back in the document for Rachel's fourth hometown. Again, with Avon, Salem, Massachusetts. The day portion, we hear an immediate horror movie score. They're already giving this a full edit. And uh, Rachel Recchia walks in front of the Salem Witch Museum. She ITMs that she's nervous because Tino's hometown didn't go as planned. And we have to crank our brains back to a week ago to remember, oh, yeah, she went on a hometown date with Tino that kind of went shitty. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so disjointed. It's gone. Gone from my mind. <laughs> yeah. This is, is in my opinion, uh, this season has suffered from poor construction by the editors and producers the entire time. This is no different here. And poor Rachel Reckia is also suffering in a green dress and very long beige coat. No, that's something I didn't notice. But she references then uh, Tyler's hometown. It's all this shit that we saw last week. Don't care about any of it. We get a truncated huju here. It looks to maybe have been an okay huju when she first sees Avon. She gets a nice ankle lock, but we don't get the proper footage. They cut it very quickly because, as DLP will tell us later, they got a lot to get to. And so the presentation of it <laughs> is rushed. Uh, and the it's kind of a, a shitty way to treat the subsport at the very beginning of the mental episode, at the very beginning of this final hometown. Nonetheless... Uh, Rekia keeps ITMing fear that that uh, Avon's parents won't like her because they've never liked anyone. Then Avon assures her, my parents are going to love you and be in favor of you despite the fact that they haven't liked anybody that he's brought home and they've never met a person at the same time. And we get all this trepidation, basically. By the way, this scene is shot in front of this boat and they're sitting on a cement curb in front of the boat. Ass below knee level. I'm sorry, the Bachelorette should never be sitting ass below knee level. Can't they find a, a picturesque bench in Salem? I Look, I don't know. This is me maybe like going too deep into this. Floor. But I agree with you. These are all choices. Somebody's making that choice. Go over there and sit on that thing. That's where we're going to shoot this. Maybe it was meant to kind of invalidate the date subconsciously. I don't know. It seems like I even got the raw end of the deal on this one. I know he makes it to fantasy yes. suites, but this date was not done well. They gave him clown music for the whole day portion. Yeah. Like he's not actually a real contender. Th when they put that creepy music over his day portion, I was like, oh, I guess Rachel picks Tino. <laughs> like yeah, I, I felt the exact <laughs> same way. But eventually they go into the Crowhaven Corner Incorporated purveyor to witches around the world. This is a witch store and then the horror music cues back up again they're really making a meal of it and then they walk around they're looking at candles and crystals and then a woman emerges from the background through a uh, a little curtain covering this is lorelei the love witch and lorelei the love witch was my jorge 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 Moreno, bystander of the week. She's a witch. Okay, first of all, she was the only bystander in the actual document. She had to win it. But she's a witch. She was fucking hilarious. And she put a fucking spell on them. She put a fucking spell on them. I loved this fucking date. 
Or I loved her, I should say. The date was cut together a little shitty, but she was a fantastic Corey Moreno. Lorelai, the Salem love witch who flips loudly through her magical curtains to meet Avon and Rachel Recchia was instantly my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Before she even spoke with this grand entrance, I was like, this is amazing. She then issues a how you doing. She gives them a glow. I can tell this is all about love. She offers to do her love spell. And eventually, we'll get to it, but she IFIs. Yeah. Doing absolutely the most she has with every amount of screen time and becoming, you know, she can't earn the Sweet Nums Parental Award, but she had a Sweet Nums-esque energy to me. I agree with you. She was fantastic. And then she tells them that it's okay to feel what you feel and talk about it. She says, Avon has a lot of passion. She can tell this from something, their auras, I'm not exactly sure. And then she tells Rachel that she's a giver, but she needs clarity. She uses the word clarity. So we know that producers have already talked to her and told her that she needs to say that. Clarity is a very important keyword in our beloved game. It's used again and again and again and again, but not usually by bystanders unless producers tee it up for them, which has clearly happened here. And so she tells Rachel Reiki then to follow her heart. Another phrase that is used again and again and again by producers in our beloved game. They are the ones who have told Rachel Reckia to use it at every rose ceremony and in every defense that she issues tonight. And so she says it, and so here too does Lorelai. And then she puts some magic dust in a flame and wishes them both the best of luck and hopes they're going to meet again. Then as she's leaving, (laughs) she knocks over the table that contains the spell, contains the candles. There's a big circular glass table. She knocks it off. All the shit goes falling on the floor. And now... I'd like to take you somewhere, Pace Case. I feel like I know where it is. <laughs> always, we always go to the same place. It's like the shittiest version of the Bachelor cruise. I just go to my home and Conspiracy Town. <laughs> I'm only in two places, Gore Headquarters or... Conspiracy Town. Population. Me. I believe... Lorelai the Love Witch was told to do this, to knock this table down, to further augment the fool edit, to further cast the idea that this is a cursed relationship, as Jesse Palmer himself said at the beginning of this segment. I believe this was all planned. I don't think Lorelai does anything by accident. She's wearing a very sequined outfit, easy to catch on things. And that's why I'll take this trip with you, Clues. You know, I I recently watched a TikTok in which Caitlin Bristow is with a cake and then falls into a pool, and I and everyone's like, it's a it's planned, it's staged, and now I just don't believe anything is real, <laughs> especially crashing a lot of stuff, including their love flame onto the floor in your store where you've probably cast ten million spells on that exact table throughout the course of your life. Unless it's a new table. It's like a prop table for <laughs> for this sequence. She's not used to it. She usually flings around and it's not there. Sound off in the comments with your theories. <laughs> <laughs> if Lorelai's table flip was real or stage. 
Portion two begins back at the studio. DLP teases Logan and Nate are backstage, and he talks about the rumors running rampant about Nate. Talks about Hayden and asks, will he even show up tonight? And then we see a sign, Justice for Rambo. So uh, he is hinting here that we're going to have to talk about the shit that has come out about Nate online, which I found interesting. I didn't think that was going to happen tonight. Here we get a big surprise that it is going to happen. And in fact, we see it later. But then we're back in the documents. Night. This line by Dark Lord Palmer and the continued bumpers in which he insinuates that Hayden is a coward for not showing up at this <laughs> and making this man hold his cancer duck and all of these signs saying justice for Rambo as if Hayden is not a good dog father to Rambo were my... Wow, we moment, moment of, of the, the week. week. They are taking a very firm moral stance on Hayden's villain edit, and and uh, we'll get to it. I have some other thoughts on the the Hayden Markowitz of it all. Look, I a hundred percent agree with you. It was Hayden, and there was somebody else too that they started shitting on who wasn't there. I can't remember who it was. I'll have, I'll have it when we get there. But I did think tonight, I've never really seen something like this. Oh, it was Chris. Oh, yeah, it was Chris, right. They attack the villains of the season without them being there and just shit all over them. Have a guy dressed up as as the character and they're making fun of his dog. I've never seen anything quite like this. Very, very saucy. Yeah. It's just another way that they can control the narrative that they set up in the show. Hayden is a piece of shit. That's what they're telling you. And they're saying it again here. After the edit, he's not there to defend himself. So, of course, that gets reinforced. And um, we do know that Hayden is in paradise. We see him in the promo for it at the end of this show. So, and that shot before this Mentel All. So, they probably invited him to come on the Mentel All. And he said no, which makes me think some bad shit happened to him in paradise. They did him dirty. Yes, I think so. Mm, I didn't know he was on paradise. Yeah, that makes me think he's not going the uh, Thomas villain edit route, <laughs> get engaged to a Tropical Royale. Correct. And I would absolutely look for whatever his edit in Paradise is going to be to be vicious. Oh, yeah. It's going to be worse than this. 100%. But we are still back in the document. We are still back in Salem. <laughs> it's night. Rachel, Recky, and Avon go to Turner's Seafood to meet his mom, Dawn, his dad, Arthur, and... It goes pretty fucking well. We see Avon telling his parents how good it is to see them both. And uh, it's great to see them both supporting him at the same time. The mom and dad are excited. We get the recap of the relationship. And then we bust off into the one-on-one times. Uh, one-on-one time with dad and Rekia goes very well. He issues a couple of attacks. He asks her, uh, you know, what attracted you to Avon as a person? Do you really know him? We saw this attack with Tino's family as well. And then she says, there's just something I can't describe. He's so incredible and we have so much in common. It is a very generic answer here. Seems like acting uh, doesn't matter. Works on the dad. He's like, it's great. She's she's awesome. And he's serious about getting engaged. And dad asks if she's earnestly, sincerely, wholeheartedly ready to commit to love Avon. And she says she truly does see a future with him. And she can't tell him that she's 100% in yet, though. It works. And... The dad ITMs, you know, right now the dinners and hotels and travels around the world, that's all great. In real life, that kind of stuff doesn't happen all the time. He doesn't go so far as the earlier father who was like, yeah, then you'll fall in love with a monkey. <laughs> yeah, but th this is basically the falling in love with a monkey attack. 
Yeah, <laughs> the monkey attack. But something uh, you might not have noticed unless you have a keen eye is during Rachel Recchia's ITMs, there is a ladder standing behind her during this meeting of the family oh. portion. And this ladder was my ladder of the week. Ooh, I didn't notice it. Good eye. Recchia, it was glorious. Rekia then sits down with his mom. She does the attack of how there's other men involved at the same time. She asks if they're all on the same level. She's asking about love levels here. Rekia says, yeah, there's other people here. Part of the process. She does a very good defense of this. But I feel so strong. Wouldn't bring in family if I didn't see a future. She says, I feel that about you. And to see him walk in and display that much affection with you, that hit me right here. Pointing to her chest. Mom glow. Avon has a one-on-one with his dad who asks if he's ready to precog. Do you think you're ready to take it to the next level? Engagement. Avon says, it's a loaded question. If I get the validation from her, then I will. And dad says, I like her. She's great. Welcome to the family. Don't stop fighting her for her because she's a catch. That's a dad blessing. You know, it made me miss the formality of the game back in the day, back in the beginning where a lead had to literally ask the parent for the blessing. It was a very transactional conversation, and sometimes they said no. It's not in the beginning, though. I know. It's in the beginning of the modern era with Jake Pavelka, but all the seasons before that, blessing had not been uttered. Yeah, yeah. I meant back in the modern era. Back in the early days of the modern era, where it was like the lead had to go and ask for it. Now it's a player is just kind of meandering around a weird conversation until it's given by the father unsolicited. I don't know. I liked it. Don't get me wrong. Good play and all that. Well, they've all read How to Win the Bachelor. Don't even need to ask the question. You just give that B out. Don't trust the B. (laughs) Then they leave and they walk down (laughs) these stairs. And uh, Avon says he has zero doubts about this. He mentions that his parents glowed him and he tells Rekia that he is like falling in love with her. That is a love level three. She covers her mouth as she smiles. She tells him that it means a lot to her because she's uh, she knows he's slow to open up and she says she's so happy. We get some kissing and then she ITMs feeling lucky and she getting the love level three makes her so happy. It means everything to her and she loads an LL3 for Avon and says she feels confident this could be it. Could be her happy ending. And then we cut back to the studio. DLP. <laughs> this this was like one of the, the biggest fucking offenses maybe ever committed by producers. You want to talk about a fucking wowee moment? This was my almost put a fucking foot through the TV screen moment. This man, he's not a man. He's a dark lord. This dark lord. You know what? Who else could have done this but a fucking dark lord? He's a multi-toned angel. <laughs> you know who else was an angel? Satan. <laughs> the devil. How dare you? Just keep that in mind. You could be an angel, but you could, Satan is an angel. No, he's a dark lord like, you know, Edward is a vampire. It's a good evil. No, because this man, there is glee in his voice and a glimmer of happiness in his sinister eyes as he tells us flat out immediately tells us all of Rachel's guys got roses, all of Gabby's guys got roses, and there's just too much to get to in this men tell all to have a rose ceremony. So they cut it. They show a couple of little fucking pop shots of the three roses on the pedestal for each one of them, and then they cut to 
DLP going like, if you want to watch the rose ceremony, you just go to ABC.com. He turns into the devil in that fucking sentence when he says ABC.com. To me, that is, that's it. He's through the looking glass now. The, the fucking skin is peeled off like the Terminator. And I'm looking at a silver robot head with glowing red eyes. I understand where you're coming from with this one. And I think I think Satan decided to cancel the rose ceremony. But I don't think that was Dark Lord Palmer's decision. I And I think maybe he thought there was a lot to get to. He was like, we have 20 ads. <laughs> yeah, but one of them is going to be 20 minutes long. Anyway, they eliminate the fucking rose ceremony. We don't see it at all. It's just like, everybody got a rose. Fuck it. We have a casting card before portion three. Tired of guys who leave the toilet seat up? Apply to be on the next season of The Bachelor. So it went from deadbeat, piece of shit, boyfriend, never going to propose to you, to now it's just a guy who leaves the toilet seat up every once in a while. Are you tired of guys who leave the toilet seat up? Are you tired of guys who leave their beard hair all over your sink? Yeah. Are you tired of guys who take a shit on your bathroom mat and don't even make it to the toilet and then they roll it up like a yoga mat and steal your poopy bathroom mat? Apply to be on the next season of The Bachelor. <laughs> what? That's a story you told me once about yeah, someone you shit, know. <laughs> yep. I remember that story. To me, it was more like, Am I now to believe that every guy on The Bachelorette puts the toilet seat down every time? Is that one of their prerequisite things? Fuck no. Those guys, no way. Portion number three begins. We see a sign, meatball for life. Again, this is a sign made by producers. And now we're into the actual mental all. At 26 minutes into the fucking episode, finally the mental all begins. And we see that, once again, players here are getting shortchanged for time. Even at the fucking mental all, you get half an hour cut out of it. Unreal. DLP's face seems out of focus to me a little bit, which I found weird, at least in the first part of this half of this uh, episode. And I don't know if it was like they were using using some kind of like digital softening on him to make him look younger or it was literally just bad focus, but it looked bad. It's because he's an angel. Oh, he's glowing. You can't uh, register like a, a clear image of him on film. That's an angel trait. So mm -hmm. he tells us that it's finally time for the mental all and we get our players introduced. Roby is number one. And we immediately see him with shocking blonde hair and he's holding this flaming stick that he fucking does a magic trick immediately and changes it into a rose. This shit was next level. Roby came to fucking play. He was like, I'm going to be on camera. I'm going to make the most of every fucking second of it. I'm going to be doing multiple magic tricks. I'm going to have crazy ass hair that nobody expected. This is what you do if you're a fucking night yes. one guy. This is exactly what you do. Perfect play by Roby, in my opinion. I agree. It wasn't my play of the game, but was it, it was the best you could expect from a night one guy. No one else even had like a gimmick at all. It was, I will say, it was not my play of the game, but it was like best night one guy effort or something. Most most night one guy-ish play. You know what? I think it would have been my play of the game if I didn't know it was coming. The bleached hair specifically because we highlighted this in parasocial plays that he had bleached his hair. So we knew it was going to be a good move for the mental all. But yeah, doing his whole like shtick, magic or whatever. <laughs> the other chairs ain't got nothing. Jordan H, the tattler, Termaine, crypto guy, Jacob, now as a man bun, Jordan V, Alec, Quincy, Ethan, aka King Kang, 
And in the front row, we have Spencer, Mario, Meatball, Logan, Tyler, Nate. He makes a heart gesture with his hands and he has some sort of pearl pinned to his lapel. I was like, maybe that was something. And that's it. DLP checks in with them. Oh, the last time I saw you all was on the cruise. I never saw this goatee, Spencer. He loves it. Spencer says, that means a lot coming from you. The facial hair king. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, DLP is like, did anyone know that was Roby? See, this is why it's a great move. You're being brought up even though you were barely in the show. And he says, let's go back to the beginning. And then Nate gets this coveted spot where he's asked about the first impression of Leeds. There's always a fan favorite who answers this question. And he does very 4TRR things throughout. My mindset was kind of like, don't pass out. But I was met with such a warm embrace. Tyler, his golden retriever, (laughs) golden retriever play continues. They did an amazing job. They did it perfectly. And Dark Lord Palmer asks Logan, what was the best part of dating two women? Logan says, the lessons learned. Thanks for asking that. And this begins Logan's defense of his villain edit that is the best you could do. The be- Like, if I were a PR coach, I would have coached him to play it as, exactly as Logan played it. I totally agree. I thought that he played this whole game very well. I mean, as, as best as you can after having gotten such an edit. But we then get a 10-minute recap of the season reel. Again, DLP has just told us they have so much to get to. We can't show you this rose ceremony. But here's 10 minutes of bullshit you've already seen. In my yeah. opinion, unforgivable. Half of the reel is about fucking Chris being 4TWR. He's not even there Half the reel is about a person who is not there. The whole point of mental is you confront the villains from the season yes. and they're there to answer for their crimes. It's the most recent heartbreak at it and the, the biggest villains. Then there's a whole fucking swath of the reel about Hayden. He's not even there. Just a waste of time top to bottom. And DLP then says he wants to discuss a challenge that everyone is faced with trying to figure out who to pursue. King Kang is up first. He says the first two weeks... It was tough to navigate, but he knew the direction he wanted to head. Quincy comes in. He came there for Gabby since day one. You should know which one you're going to like more. Tremaine has asked about the conversation Jacob had that was too blunt with Gabby. There's nothing here. They're trying to make now Jacob into a fucking villain somehow. A post-facto edit in the mental all or something. It's so fucking weird. And Tremaine is like, the words you said were wrong. Roby jumps in. You were too blunt. Basically is what he's saying. You were, you were too honest, I guess, in what you're talking about. Good job by Roby to jump into a conversation he has no business discussing. <laughs> Roby was there for none of this. Okay, all the conversations. Exactly. He was literally there for nothing that they're talking about, but he's still getting into these conversations. And then Jacob says that he was rude and selfish and he takes ownership, says he's going to learn uh, and hopefully teach others to do better as well. It, like, what did he do here that he's got to, like, learn and I'm going to teach others? And He said to one of, I can't remember who he said it to, but he said to one of them that he wouldn't be here if she were the only bachelorette there. That yeah. he was so all eggs for the other one. Yeah. And, like, that's the whole point of the game. They make all the guys say that at one point. Some version of it. I guess he just misworded it. Nonetheless, DLP then brings up the infamous Rose Ceremony of Rejection. And it does seem like in every DLP season now, there's going to be one rose ceremony that stands out as like the crucial crazy one. And that may be a new fence jump moment for them. 
is that they're going to have to have mm. one rose ceremony where some shit goes off the rails. And we see Meatball, Tremaine, and Alec are all there. These are the rejectors in that rose ceremony. Tremaine thought he had a better connection with Gabby, so he rejected Reckia's rose. He also brings up Meatball's resurrection not being genuine. No shit, dude. That was completely produced <laughs> by the, the producers, and they told her he's coming back in so that he can do a tattle next week, obviously. So then Meatball tries to issue some weird explanation about not knowing in the moment how he felt. Then Roby jumps on him. He fucking comes in for, again, an event he was not there for. And he's like, you have to have some balls, Meatball. I thought that was a great pre-written line showing that Roby did his homework and he's coming in ready to fucking play. Who else was here to play? Ethan says, you had your chance... Shut the fuck up for a second. You were there for four hours for a reason. The rest of us had genuine feelings over the course of two months. Attacks Roby, the magician, with his perhaps pre-written line. You should prepare all of these attacks and defenses before you are going into the reunion show, always. And you can tell who's prepared and who just says generic shit. Absolutely. And Roby was the most prepared, I thought. At least from what we saw mm. in this weird fucking cut. I have no idea what actually happened to this mental all. I don't think anyone does. Dark Lord Palmer then says, I want to switch to someone not here. <laughs> I think because he didn't dare show up, Chris. Because he says that Gabby and Rachel booted him so hard out of the mansion. So even in the introduction of Chris, a player who is not present to defend himself, even in the introduction they make him seem like a coward. He's too afraid to show up. And then Alec jumps in, insults him for being condescending the whole time, then insults his breath. Spencer then jumps in, jumps on that bandwagon. This attack by Alec saying that Chris was out of pocket and he thinks this shit doesn't stink, but it does like his breath was my error, 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 error of the game. You have to prepare attacks, but do not prepare personal attacks on people's breath. That is a no for me. This whole thing was a no for me. I wouldn't have jumped on this bandwagon. I know that they're serving it up. DLP is like, Chris, huh? He was a real piece of shit. Anybody want to yeah. tell me how much of a piece of shit he was? And Spencer jumps in on this band bandwagon, also brings up their uh, history at the Rose Ceremony from Hell. Nate jumps into it and calls him barbaric, says that real men hold other men accountable, implying Chris is not a real man. This entire thing to me was, I guess, my error, 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 error of the game. It was just like, none of them should have been doing this. It, it doesn't help any of them. It gets them screen time, but I don't think anybody likes to see somebody getting attacked who isn't there. The point of launching no. the attack is to see the reaction of the villain. If you can't have that reaction, it's just a bunch of people complaining about somebody we can't see. It's to get the reaction. It's to like catch them in a moment off guard, so it seems like you've won a point over them. DLP then says, coming up, Something about Hayden, the guy who said nasty things to women that no man should ever say. And we see shots of the audience looking disgusted at the mere mention of Hayden's name. And like we said before, these were filmed before the episode even started. They were just told to make a disgusted face. He doesn't just mention his name. He asks a question. 
Will Hayden show. He's implying that Hayden may just be fucking driving around the parking lot trying to make the decision to come in here or not. They cut to a door that has a star that says Hayden as if they had prepared a whole star trailer for him. And this is all a lie. This is all sauce by the show. Hayden is not coming. They know that. They tried to get him there. He said, go fuck yourself. You probably treated me like shit in paradise. There's no way. So... We know that that's the case. And here they're building this out to make him seem even worse. Do we know that they asked him? Yeah. There's no fucking way they didn't ask this guy. And then they still have the guy dressing up like Rambo. And they still have the free Rambo or Justice for Rambo signs. They're doing this, whatever. It it really is like another level. I've never seen anything quite like this. Clues. Yeah. Grab your paint cans. Grab your pit papers. Put them all in a big suitcase. Because we're going somewhere. Oh! (laughs) Conspiracy Town. Population me. I was surprised Hayden didn't show up. I was sort of expecting him to offer a defense, give some updates on Rambo, etc. And they went so hard at him (laughs) that it made me start thinking that they didn't ask him. They were just like, you know what? Oh, my God. It's easier to attack a person who's not there. Let's just blast this guy and say that he's a coward and didn't even show up. What's he going to say? He doesn't have as big a platform to be like, no, they did invite me. Oh, my That's my conspiracy town. God. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's even more sinister than it appears. I think you're right. Holy fuck. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder. I'm curious if he'll make any parasocial plays about this. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, time will tell. Maybe we can get him on our show at some point to ask him these hard-hitting questions. But when they mention his name and the question, will he show? I think, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I think we cut to the audience and there's an audience member who looks at her friend and raises her eyebrows so fucking high that it creates my... <laughs> Face play of the game. Again, I don't know if it's right here because I took bad notes during this. My apologies. But at some point, they do pan to this woman and she gives a fantastic face play. So thank you to the woman in the audience for my face play of the week at whatever time you gave it. I think it was here. Every woman is going to be like, oh, it's me. I'm Clues' face. No, it's clear. I took a picture of it. The picture will be on our social media and everything. Portion four. There is a sign in the audience further demonizing Hayden that just says, Rambo deserves better. As if Hayden is not doing it. They're now insinuating that Hayden is now, what, a dog abuser? Yeah. What is this? Imagine, just imagine for a moment. I know that Hayden is vilified in our beloved game, but imagine for a moment you are him. Or just imagine if you have a pet. Imagine having gone on a reality TV show, you have to leave your pet at home who has some kind of illness that is like terminal or potentially terminal. And then you have to watch this show where they're making fun of that. Again and again and again. They have a person dressed as the name of your pet holding your pet's uh, cancer toy. They have signs. They have the audience do a thumbs down, gladiator style. 
Are you not entertained? Yeah. Imagine being that person. Imagine what that would fucking feel like. It, it's just such a sinister enterprise when they do shit like this. And the fact that the person's not there to defend themselves in any way <laughs> is insane to me. <laughs> At any rate, this is the show we watch. This is the nature of being complicit. Your savoring was suffered, Hayden. We have DLP check-in with Mario. He is like, oh, he was calling girls bitches. And Nate says how he treated women is not okay. Jacob says he completely lied. And then Jacob says the worst line of this entire episode, his dog Rambo doesn't need training. He needs training. I don't know if that was pre-written or if he just came up with it on the fly, but got to keep that one in your pocket. Keep that one in the... In the mind words. <laughs> <laughs> then Alec goes after the dog insult and he says, taking away his dog toy caused Rambo trauma. Free Rambo. Uh, it, again, try to imagine being Hayden and your dog is dealing with this horrible thing and people are just making fun. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, Unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt. And <laughs> my um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort. From the outside in. 
Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Spencer then says, I love Gabby. I guess I like girls that are rough around the edges, calling back that line. And this is the second player attacked without any defense. The producers are controlling the edit in the show. Now they just get other players to kick him in the balls basically when he's not there. Again, it's this ramping up of these narratives that this guy is a horrible piece of shit. And they will keep telling you that narrative through all the Bachelor Nation podcasts and through Bachelor in Paradise this season. Garen fucking Teed. Yeah, and maybe if you are... If, say, they did invite Hayden and Chris <laughs> and my conspiracy town is full of it, maybe don't treat your villains in this way and then they'll show up to your mental all and give you the extra drama. Like Totally. There's, there's no like fun in being a villain anymore. No. The show treats you very badly. They don't give you good edits. No followers. And the, the fourth audience, too, is like doesn't take the shit anymore. If you get accused of being 4TWR, if that is your villainy, you're kind of fucked. But like, God, back in the days of like Vial, Corinne Olympios, she was beloved and she was a villain mm -hmm. because she was so funny and they cut her well. They made you kind of believe like maybe there is some 4TRR in her, even though she's doing these bombastic things like skipping rose ceremonies to take naps and shit. I mean, she had... She got to do the positive, fun thing. She had the taught in the audience of the, like, make America Korean yeah. again. And then giving out the cheese pasta to everyone at the end, which was basically like the meatball version of this. And she got to play an unaired PTC to sort of, like, back up why she had gotten this villain edit for having a nanny. And she said it was because of her mom had breast cancer and the nanny was helping the whole yeah. family, etc. <laughs> we definitely don't see that from any of the villains here tonight we have ethan talking about how the group date in belgium was canceled they switched to the next villain logan and then ethan is like you know you screwed up our group date it got canceled when you switched teams i don't know if ethan knows this or not logan didn't cancel that group date the producers did the producers manufactured his entire team switch specifically to throw people off their game to eliminate time, to make sure people turtled. It's just like, I don't know how much these players are aware of that. I think they have to be, though. 
and therefore they are acting. I think he is aware. Yeah, I think this is acting. Like, okay. he took things from me. Yep. Logan then has a 40-yard defense here. He's like, you know, I saw two wonderful people. If, if I accept a rose, it will be seen as a bitch move, but so be it, I thought, if it's worth exploring, if it's for love. He's like, there's this higher 4TRR goal, which is kind of the through line of his whole response to his villain edit. Yeah, I thought this was a, a fantastic play because people are yeah. starting to come at him. And this is this is the risk you run when you put a villain on stage. Any villain can always play a 4TR defense. Oh, sorry that that fucked up your group date. I was just trying to explore this relationship because in the end, if I wind up spending the rest of my life with that person, it would have been worth fucking up one group date for you, dude. I mean, that's a great line. That's a that's a mic drop line. <laughs> yeah, you can't get cut off at the knees with that. And so I thought he played this very well. He then gets the first hot seat of the night. Uh, Dark Lord Palmer then <laughs> continues this vilification. You flirted <laughs> with both Gabby and Rachel. You made out with both. You went on both of their teams. <laughs> it's like... That was the whole premise of two bachelorettes. They didn't divide their pool of men. They were have they were all dating them. Yeah. And eventually, after he gets kind of abused here by DLP a little more, Logan eventually says he would have liked to pull them both aside at the rose ceremony and had that conversation. Right after Logan defends the first part and says, you know, in layman's terms, that's what I was, but I'm telling my truth. There is a woman behind him in orange and we get a close-up of her and she makes this wide-eyed eye roll and purses her lips and this lady got my face play of the game here she is clues so you can see there she is. That's a Look great that face, face play. She was doing multiple face plays, and I tracked her celebration during the cruise portion. She was she was on fire tonight, and you know, loved her loved her face play. Continue. He basically says that he didn't get time. He couldn't find the perfect time to have these private conversations. Mm -hmm. That, again, is because the producers disallowed it. I'm sure he went to them and said, hey, if I'm going to do this, I need to tell them and whatever. And they're like, sure, sure, we'll get you that time. And then it just never fucking happens. So it's the maximum drama that can be caused. He's not allowed to use that as the defense, though. So he does it in this expert way where he's like, you know, it was actually the perfectionism in me that was waiting for the exact right moment and not because I was being kept from creating a good moment. And then Jordan H. eventually accuses him of trying to... Ex he accepted the rose or, sorry, switched teams just to stay longer. And he says, no, dude, I actually did the hard thing. It, it was anything but convenient. And I was like, that's brilliant because he's right. The easy thing yeah. would have been to just keep, if you want to stay on the show for as long as possible, just keep taking Rachel Recchia's roses. He didn't do that. I agree. that, And that was a high-level play. Producer aided for sure when he switched teams. But like, he's right here. I thought his defense was like, perfect. Quincy then comes to attack. You are misleading Rachel through the entire process. Uh, to me, that is just like a knee slapper, as though anybody's not. That's the whole point of the game. People leading each other on through the entire process. Quincy's best joke tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it was. 
Logan then says he wishes he could have had the conversation with Rachel. And this is, again, he, he gets into this idea that like he just didn't have the time. And DLP says, when you look back, do you regret leaving uh, Rachel to pursue Gabby? And Logan says, no regret in the pursuit, but he is sorry for making things harder than they needed to be. But he hopes uh, that they can see his heart was in the right place. This is a perfectly stated, let me wrap up what happened to me in this season. Let me get rid of that villain edit for my paradise birth. This is a, they've put him up here on the couch to basically start his redemption arc. And DLP thanks him for showing up and facing the tough questions. This is an olive branch from the show itself saying, we appreciate what you have done. You have played the game as we asked, and now we will give you a good edit in paradise. And then DLP teases paradise and says, Logan is going to be there. This is a part of his redemption arc. He doesn't say that, but it is. And then DLP (laughs) says, I could sure use a drink. And he's craving champagne. All demons love champagne. And he says, their incredible (laughs) friends at Virgin Voyages have just the app for that. He holds up his fucking phone and we see an advertisement for this Virgin Champagne app where he uses it on screen, presses a fucking button, and then a bunch of servers bring out champagne for the entire audience. And DLP says, I also have some news with this toast. It's going to change your lives forever, the people in the studio audience. Their amazing friends at Virgin Voyages are giving everyone in the audience a free cruise. And then he does a fucking Oprah impersonation. You get a cruise, you get a cruise, you get a cruise. I have to say, although this is just an ad for the company that ran the cruise ship that they shot the entire season on, this was probably the best thing that happened in the sh- in the whole episode to me. I was blown away by it. I thought to myself, this is how they should be doing sponsored ad content. They should make appearing in the live studio audience a coveted thing so that when you yes. go there, you know you're getting some prize. I-, I just thought it was like brilliantly done. You You made that you made feeling, at least as I'm watching it at home, in the document, I wanted to be there. It felt fucking electric. Definitely. I didn't get shit when I went. Well, that was <laughs> a different time. Yeah. So only the people who went to Men or Women Tell All didn't get things were, I guess, angered by this. I was angered because I was like, I knew not to get my hopes up when they put it in the promo and we're like, it's going to change your life. Mm -hmm. But I always do get my hopes up and it didn't change my life at all. And whatever. They should have given them free drones. They should have some drones under every seat, pint of halo top, some crest white strips. They could have had some more (laughs) shit in that gift bag, but I love this. And I hope that they keep doing this. I, I think it was a great I think it was a great way to feel like they were somehow giving back to the fourth audience to Bachelor Nation, you know, despite the fact that most of those not most, but some of the people in the audience are fucking actors. <laughs> some of them. Uh, you know, who is a great actor if they are. It's Orange Lady. She is cheersing up a storm, screaming and jumping. She has recovered from Logan's hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, portion five begins with DLP. He says this next man stole America's heart with his good looks and casual charm, but it was his heartwarming breakup with Gabby that made him a Bachelor Nation favorite. And Nate gets the next hot seat. DLP says that your vulnerability and maturity was impressive to watch, and we have to address everything being said on social media. But first, and then we get the Nate reel. Then back on the hot seat, DLP says, how was it watching that back? You're always asked this question. And Nate says, seeing how beautiful our journey was brought up so many emotions. He's still playing this very 4TRR praising of the process. Nothing bad about Gabby. Everything happened for a reason and he can't falter for that essentially. And uh, 
Nate then goes on to say it was the toughest goodbye ever to go from that high note of being on the date card to getting dumped. He just wanted to be there for her, never mad at her for following her heart. And then they talk about how she was fearful of being a bad mom. And he says, that's crazy to him because she was so nurturing and thoughtful. He thought she'd be the best mom. He's like, everything he's doing here is textbook. It's it's perfectly rehearsed, perfectly delivered. And uh, he even mm-hmm. gets to some tear play when he's talking about her as a mom because that brings up talking about his daughter, obviously. And he says, she's really my heart uh, to be loved by that little girl. I'm surprised we didn't see a slideshow of Milo, the daughter, at this point. I'm surprised she wasn't there. I'm surprised DLP wasn't like, Nate, we have your daughter held backstage. <laughs> that would have been the Bachelor announcement. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be there for that if he is. That's true. Well, I don't think he's going to be, though. There's that picture of him surfacing now where he's holding interlaced hands with a mystery woman in a grocery store. This is not bachelor behavior. That is true. (laughs) What do you think the interlaced fingers are about? A romantic relationship. We'll cover this in Twibbon. We will. But DOP basically says, um, what do you want to say to your daughter? They give him this moment and he says... Everything I do is for you, and I want to be a better man because of you. And the audience goes wild. And then DLP says, before we move on, there are some rumors circulating about your past relationship. And he goes right to the rumor of him keeping his daughter a secret from a woman he was dating for a year and a half. Nate blames it on the divorce. Good defense here. The foundation I built around my daughter Mm -hmm. was crumbled. This is pretty much what we predicted. Yeah, not my fault. I was going through a hard time, basically. He says the foundation he built around his daughter was crumbled. And the one thing that he protects most on earth is his daughter. And that made him put up a wall. This is gameplay speech up to protect his daughter against the instability of his dating life. So it's all in this very passive nebulous thing. There's no accountability taken for creating that dating life. It's just like my dating life. It was crazy. Couldn't bring a daughter into that. Okay. (laughs) So DLP then goes in on dating two women simultaneously. And Nate says he should have been more clear. And as for forgiveness for the man that he was, he is not the same person. He's like, I should have been more clear and I should have been less lying to two women simultaneously and hiding my daughter from one of them. He didn't say that. And then DLP says there are now a couple of people second guessing your relationship with Gabby. And Nate says, no, he was committed. It was all real. Alec jumps in in defense of Nate. And he says, truly great men make other men better. And Nate has made me a better man. If they're not setting this motherfucker up for a bachelor edit. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I don't know what the fuck this picture is with the interlaced fingers with the mystery woman. I don't know how that's going to impact this, but like everything they did here, DLP then thanks him for coming to the mental law. They are setting this guy up for bachelor hardcore. I don't know if he gets it because of the controversy or maybe he is dating this other woman. I have no fucking idea, but at the end of this segment, there is no doubt. Nate Mitchell is 100% a protected player at this point in the game. I mean, they served it up to him on a platter. I'm wondering, I'm like, I just can't see them picking him at this point. I mean, maybe I'm too deep in the forums, you know. I've seen, (laughs) there's a shirt, there's a picture of him wearing this shirt with the girl's face on it. I've seen it. Who has a rose. Yeah. And I think that's the one that he said he didn't have a dollar to I don't know but it's just like the core of what the bachelor is is you're trying to find this person who is like one of the most eligible single men in the country and then you're like you clearly have all of this information that maybe he's not ready for a serious relationship at the very least 
And yeah, but the amount of ads in this episode made me think maybe they don't have the money to pay Tyler Cameron. I <laughs> God. Yeah, I don't know. We'll get to some of the ads, but they're selling their segments to a non Warner Brothers movie. Multiple, multiple long segments. I saw Bachelor Data already had the uh, the time for the episode broken down. Oh, she's the good. Bros, Billy Eichner, and the uh, the dude that's in his movie with him mm-hmm. came in. If you took Bachelorettes out of it, fourth most screen time of anyone in the episode. Oh my god. We'll get to it. There was just one last line at the end of that that yeah. was so saucy and, and so like Nate is the next bachelor. DLP said, I know it's not easy, but it's important to make little Mila so proud. And I know you did that tonight. So he's basically telling him what edit he just got from the hot seat. Of course. All of that was rehearsed. The producers told him what all the questions were going to be. Probably helped him craft his answers. All of this is rehearsed. Because he might be the bachelor. And I think even at this point, they they have not made a decision on that. And they're waiting mm-hmm. to see what is the reaction to this from tonight, mm. from the mental all. Did this clear up the forums? Are people still pissed? They're waiting for that. So they gave it a try here. They want him to be the bachelor. That's what I'm getting out of this edit. I don't know if he's going to get it, but that's what they want. So then yeah. portion six begins. Quick trip south of the border. DLP tells us to tease BIP and we cut out to the hot seat. Four people are sitting there. Serene Russell, Genevieve Parisi, Victoria Fuller, and Andrew Spencer. It is so good to see a fucking player from one of those seasons show up on our fucking screen again. And I don't know if this is just me romanticizing season 24 back in that beginning of the professional (laughs) era or what, but my God, seeing her sitting on the couch next to those other players, I'm just like, she's a fucking superstar. And on that yeah. season, on 24, she was fucking, I mean, she did make it to hometowns, but it was like she wasn't even the star of that season. But sitting on that couch, it's like her fucking head is glowing. It's crazy to me. I am so excited for the combination of both Victoria Fuller and Lace Morris mm. on sand, like two absolute thunderstorms of people. And... I just, I hope they're going to be the stars. I feel like, I mean, we didn't really get much out of anyone tonight, but I feel like she'll be, she wasn't announced in the cast list, but I feel like she'll be the first bombshell. Yeah, I think she'll probably be the first player not in the first round, or at least in that next episode. Um, Like where Kufrin was. Yeah. You think they'll wait that long, that late? Oh, wait, no. They'll put her where like Demi was, right? Demi was the the next one. I think so. Yeah. The second round. Victoria Fuller has 580K followers. That's more than anybody on First Sand by a lot, by 200K. So I think she's going to walk in there and people are going to be like, oh shit. She'll be like covered. Yeah. Because if you can couple up with her at the end of this, you're going to get a massive gain. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we get a bunch of Andrews like not to be cliche or use bud words, but it's de- buzz words, but it's definitely the most dramatic. DOP says it's humid. There's crabs. There's man tears. I don't know why they're like giving the, they keep using the gender for tears yeah. here. And I'm just like, why are you being specific about tears? I don't know. It, it reads like men shouldn't cry. Ugh. 
Like man tears are somehow funny or weird. He's an angel and he's being forced to say this, but I don't like the phrase man tears, DLP. Now that we're best friends, I feel like I can tell you this. He's listening. And Victoria says no one is more surprised than me that she is on the beach. Serene calls it a crazy ride. And then we see the promo for it. Jacob is beating his chest. There's a vibrator people are throwing around. Someone is farting in the boom boom room. There's a human taco that has returned. And we have Shanae. Logan is a man of high demand. Someone is crying, I want to go home. Shanae can't juggle two relationships. And my girl Lace, a medic. I mean, and then the most surprising part of this trailer, DLP says, the ladies leave paradise. There's a twist. Are they doing Casa Amor from Love Island? Are they just stealing Casa Amor? 100% 100% yes. That is what they're doing. This show that is supposed to be about people helping or helping people find love is somewhere around the last third of the season. They are going to separate couples who supposedly are falling in love right at the crucial moment where they're about to develop it into a love level four. They're going to separate them and they're going to face them off with new people to see if they can break up relationships. That is the lie of this show. Look, it's the best part of Love Island. Sure. I would steal it too, but it is so blatant. It is so blatantly 4TWR. Love Island is 4TWR at its face. They say it's basically a game and you're going to have to do these weird competitions against each other and shit like that, you know? No. Casa Amor is 4TRR because it's a test of your relationship to see if it's true love. (laughs) Okay, sure. Anyways, looks like a crazy season. It's premiering uh, September 27th, which is a Tuesday. Our recaps of that are going to be coming out on Wednesday. And on the weeks that they do two episodes, a Monday and a Tuesday, I think Wednesday still, right? And we'll recap it all in one. So DLP then makes a joke about them saying, fuck you, Jesse Palmer. He thanks them all for being there. And then he does a commercial for the Kardashians. And they play an entire trailer for the Kardashians Hulu show in the body of the men tell all. And this is the first time that we see them just selling space, basically selling the time that was so crucial that they couldn't show us a rose ceremony because they had so much to get to. And here's the first thing they had to get to a fucking Kardashians commercial. The Kravis who do in Milan. Exactly. And then we see another casting card. Remember last Valentine's day bad, right? Let's fix that. Apply to be on the next season of the bachelor. Okay. Jeez, what if you had a good Valentine's Day? I guess they don't want anybody who was in like an okay relationship a year ago. So portion seven begins. He brings out their dynamic duo. This is Gabby and Rachel. Of course, the producers make them emerge hand in hand as always. And they get the third hot seat. Roby asks if they would have kept him with blonde hair. Again, great insertion from Roby here. No business talking. Mm -hmm. Still, he's getting it in. Love it. DLP asks him how great it's been for them to have each other for support. And Gabby says they couldn't have done it any other way. It made their experience so much better. This is written. All of this is written, rehearsed. They know exactly what to say. This is 100% sauce. 100%. Million percent sauce. (laughs) This whole episode is the sauciest mental all ever. Uh... Dark Lord Palmer asks if they would do anything differently. No, following our hearts. He says, you've done an outstanding job. So that's great. And Gabby says she felt like Mario was playing both sides too much. That's why it wasn't working with him. And he says, 
I did have a conversation with Rachel. I chose Gabby, didn't pivot, but and Logan pivoted and he was accepted. I felt like you did me wrong. I almost gave this my error of the week. Him saying like, I should have all eggs, one basket. It's absurd. What is he hoping to get out of this? There's no way they're going to... You just heard what DLP said about this. Everything was perfect that we had two bachelorettes, right? Bachelorettes? Yes, it was perfect. (laughs) Couldn't have done it any other way. Now you think you're going to come at one of them (laughs) and be like, you fucking did me wrong. And DLP is going to be like, yep, he's right. You did him wrong. No, they're completely protected. They're playing the game. Mario is icing himself out here. It was not a good play, but there's no consequence for it either. So, you know... Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um three-body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Fuck it. Gabby says, I want to be chosen. There was never a conversation that you were here for me. Uh, Rachel talks to Jordan Vandenberg and they kind of give this, you know, grocery store Joe on night one edit continued here. Her asking, how could you get rid of Jordan V? And she's like, I didn't want to string him along. He says, you look absolutely stunning. I love that dress. I love the zero G date. This is what you do, yep. Mario. Yep. You praise you that say, process. Gabby, praise that you're crown. the hottest 
person I've ever seen if you're single or something. You, uh, yeah. And Rachel Recchia says he's going to have no problems going forward. And that is true. <laughs> I said, Gabby has a gator on her dress that I just noticed here. Carrie hates her. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie hates Gabby now. We then see Gabby talk with Jacob. Jacob says that what he said was super hurtful. He didn't have self-awareness. I'm sorry for my actions. I know you might not accept this apology, but I am sorry. He tries to produce tears here, but he fails. Rachel talks about how she had self-doubt during this. Gabby Love Level 4 is her. DLP says, America is loving your friendship. Gabby says the real love story. I'm Again, when they're like hinting that there could be a possible relationship between Gabby and Rachel, it, it keeps, it makes me uncomfortable if they're joking about it. And then we get uh, one of the sauciest moments of this episode. DLP says, subscribe to the one and only official companion podcast of The Bachelor, Happy Hour. What if he said Game of Roses? <laughs> he should have. <laughs> this entire segment, he's asking them questions about like, uh, what made you guys question being The Bachelorette? Like that happened at a certain point in the season. What was it that made this so much more difficult than what you expected? And they don't say, well, there were two of us. That is what made it more difficult than you expected. Recky does some weird dance around it by saying, well, you can't know what it's like until you do it. And having Gabby for support was what got me through it. All this is scripted. Sauce, 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 sauce. And then, like you said, it ends with a fucking literal commercial for Bachelor Happy Hour. The Sauce Podcast. Unreal. You know what would have been more helpful? Bring a best friend who's not dating all the same people to support you instead of someone competing with you for the men. Would have been way better. Way more helpful. Portion 8 begins. DLP asks Rachel about Logan changing his mind, switching teams. Rekia says she was hurt and wishes he was a little more honest earlier, but she understands. Logan then says he was looking for that perfect time. He brings that up again to have the conversation, but he, he shouldn't have waited. This, again, is the producers keeping him out of those conversations. He's trying to do better, he says. Rekia apologizes for uh, to all the guys for canceling the group date, which is not her fault. The producers did that. And then DLP says that they had some tough goodbyes. And he asked Rachel about Tyler's hometown elimination before the meeting of the family. Rekia says she knew the importance of family to Tyler and wasn't at the level that they needed to be. So she thanks him for their time together. And Tyler says, you did everything perfectly. And I respect everything you did. <laughs> He's just praising the living shit out of the crown and the process here. This is how you get good edits in paradise. And then DLP brings up the goodbye mm -hmm. with Nate and Amsterdam to Gabby. And he calls it the most emotional goodbye we've ever seen. Huh? Because I remember Baylock High in Becca Kufrin's season of The Bachelorette. That shit was hard to watch. Yeah. I would say go back and watch that. But Nate has a similar appreciation speech for Gabby about how classy she was and how she handled their ending. Calls it beautiful. He thanks her and admires her and adores her. I mean, again, textbook. And then DLP introduces the blooper reel. The very beginning of the blooper reel. Gabby and Rachel are having a forced girl chat. There's some fruit on a table. And sitting on that table is a lizard strutting his stuff. And this lizard was mine. <laughs> Creature of the week. This, what I called a bearded dragon, I don't really know if that is a lizard <laughs> or what category that attacks the 
dynamic duo Windakia and climbs over the table to steal their pineapple, thinking that they won't actually go near this uneaten, updated pineapple version of the scone zone, and that's why it was my... <laughs> Creature of the week. He's a cute creature. Hands down, blew it out of the water. Yeah. He's up there taking food from the crown, scaring the living shit out of him. No way he's not getting screen time. Little did he know it would be in the blooper mm-hmm. reel, but fantastic play nonetheless. Featured screen time, first blooper. Thank you, Mr. Lizard. We see some mispronunciations, flying bugs, as we always see Gabby farts. Gabby and Rekia are sniffing each other's armpits. Tyler and Rekia are sniffing armpits. Ethan sniffs meatballs, armpits, and sprays him in the ass with something. Uh, the sets are falling apart. Alec is rolling around in a suitcase. Champagne's being sprayed. And then Gabby is drinking out of two bottles at once. Uh, you know, I don't know, kind of a gross, the armpit sniffing, I thought was kind of a gross part of this one. But um, yeah, DLP highlights it. He says more armpit smelling this season than any other season before. And I'm like, that's not true. What about Ben Higgins season when they did that fake like love science doctor thing? Didn't they have to smell... Or maybe they smelled their shirts. Yeah, they smelled their shirts, but didn't it was in Claire Crawley season that they smelled armpits, didn't it? Mm. I feel like one of the season they smelled armpits of everyone. Yeah. Well, portion nine begins. DLP says, how would you feel if I invited a couple bros? And I would feel good if this was like a Council of Crowns, if this was Ben Higgins or Sean Lowe or Nick Vial or... Baylock High, bros I would want to hear from. I mean, I look, I do like Billy Eichner, but I do not like the non-Bachelor content in this. And we get this bros ad. Billy Eichner and Luke McFarland, the stars of bros. They come out, they get their own fucking hot seat. Eichner goes over his history in our beloved game. He was a, a guest host of a group date in season 23, Colton Underwood. And he famously asks Colton, Maybe you're the first gay bachelor. He said that during that season. It is canon at this point. So he comes out and recounts that. And then DLP allows Eichner to promote his movie, this movie called Bros that he has uh, written and stars in. And they just play a clip. They play a trailer from the movie. Looks like a funny movie, but it's not The Bachelor. And then we come back and we get even more discussion about the movie. DLP then asks the Crowns to play a game based on the movie where they are showing clips from uh, throughout the season that we've already seen. And then Eichner and his co-star have to weigh in on whether that's good dating stuff. It's unreal. Again, we we don't have enough time to get to everything. We have to cut this rose ceremony out. But here is a 20-minute segment that is just a commercial for a movie that has nothing to do with The Bachelor. I, I don't, like like you're saying, m- this is a bad sign, I feel like, that they don't have the fucking money. Why are they doing this? And this movie, I went and looked. I thought maybe it was like a Warner Brothers movie or maybe even a Disney movie. It's a fucking universal movie. So this is just a straight paycheck. They've done ads in this before, but usually it's limited at one ad, one Kim Kardashian ad. Okay, yes. you got to do your thing. To have multiple, to have them get more screen time than all of the players, except for a few, absolute insanity. Playing the game, oh, the game. At least show us clips we haven't seen before if you're going to put a game with clips. I agree. It's literally all shit that we've seen. And it's also implying that like Billy Eichner, supposedly a super fan, hasn't seen this shit yet. 
it's just a it's a weird it's a bad idea <laughs> to promote the movie it seems very like rushed last minute thought by some marketing person who's like well i was the one who pioneered using 75 year old movies to market the bachelorette so let me tell you how you're gonna do this it just this did not work <laughs> for me in any way but we see nah. them break down some more clips and then ultimately uh dlp is about to end the segment when eichner says someone has a special gift for meatball and he brings out a jar of tomato sauce that is comically big. It looks like a prop. I don't think this is a real jar of tomato sauce. It's gigantic. And then Meatball stands up and starts stripping down, preparing to have the sauce poured upon his body. Well, Gabby yells, take your clothes off. Oh, sorry. Right. All of this is pre-planned, obviously, including Gabby saying, take your clothes off. Uh, Meatball doing it. It's It's all been agreed to. Um, because imagine if the producers roll this out and it surprised him. He's like, no, fuck you. I'm not doing that. All of this is pre-planned. All of this is scripted. Meatball gets naked, dumps the sauce on himself. Eichner steps in and then Meatball tackles Billy Eichner while he's covered in sauce. And this was the highlight of the entire show in terms of entertainment. That is why it was my. Play, 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 play of the game. Meatball is a very interesting player. This motherfucker will do whatever it takes, whatever the producers tell him to do. And I think that is going to be good for him overall. I think we're going to see a lot of good edits coming out of his paradise. I think maybe he's going to fucking make some weird returns in the future as a sauce guy. Maybe he'll even get to host a group date or something or be part of that. I could see that happening as mm -hmm. a result of this. I could see him hosting a challenge where a group date where the people have to all wrestle in spaghetti sauce or something. Yep. And meatball pouring this giant no brand tub of tomato sauce that's not Sundays with Joe all over himself and tackling Billy Eichner, who is screaming further promotion for his movie, Go See Bros, was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Even if it is scripted, this was my favorite moment of the episode. I feel like the tackle could have been improv. I'm not sure. Or maybe the producers goaded him into it. They're like, Billy's okay with this. But the audience chants Meatball. It by far is the most memorable thing that happened. It's getting the audience participation. It's reinforcing his brand. He's going to be able to sell his competing sauce one day, maybe, if he can get his numbers up. He should absolutely be selling sauce right now. And the fact that he is not is a travesty. But portion 10 begins. <laughs> Meatball's a little cleaned up, but he still has some sauce on him. DLP tells them that he wanted to take the chance to tell them that he's so proud of them in supporting each other, them being Rekia and Wendy. And he says that he's so proud of them for supporting each other. And it's been incredible to watch them through all of this. Again, this reinforced sauce of everything was great. You guys did great. The idea was great. The way we edited it was great. Uh, fucking best season ever. Oh, how dare you? It's very Trumpian to me, all of this. And he has one final question. Rachel 
Any regrets? None at all. She thinks being able to wear their hearts on their sleeves is so brave, and she's proud of Gabby. Gabby's proud of her. DLP asks if she stands by her decisions. She says yes. Even if she didn't, she will never tell him. So Gabby gets in a funny little uh, thing here at the end, you know. But nonetheless, yes, I stand by all my decisions. Everything is perfect. Again, nothing wrong here. I know all you guys think that the two bachelorettes were forced to compete against each other, but that's not true. Look at what good friends they are. They even said they couldn't have done this season without each other. And now they have no regrets, see? And she stands by all of her decisions, see? Everything's fine. <laughs> then DOP throws to the <laughs> promo for the rest of the season. It's a shocking ending oh, that nobody's going to see coming. One of the craziest endings ever. And we see the promo. We get the fantasy suites, boats, bodies, water. They're playing fucking tennis. They're riding fucking horses. It's the best times. There's kissing fireworks. <laughs> Reckia says that this is the moment in Clayton's season when everything went haywire. And you know that's a fucking producer fed line. Can we just get you on camera saying this is the moment in Hayden's season when everything went haywire? As she delivers. And we know what that means. Can we just have you saying... This is the rose ceremony from hell times a hundred. You know, somewhere there's just a fucking hard drive filled with alternate rose ceremony from hell lines that they made her say. This is a rose ceremony from hell times two because there's two bachelorettes. All that fucking shit. Zach comes in. He felt blindsided. Eric is testing Gabby. The crowns are hugging. There's tears. Jason is reckless with Gabby. Grandpa John emerges. Zach, when it gets what he said, Jason never loved Gabby. Gabby's producing tear play. She wonders why she's so hard to love. They're getting engaged to their dream guys. Final Rose Altar is revealed, and we get that shot of the sparkler. And then next Monday night, the journey continues, and we get a tag where we see another clip of Eichner uh, about talking about too much information when you first meet, and it's Quincy's. PVC play when he when he came out of the limo exit. Nothing new. We saw all this already. And that is the mental all slash last one seventh of hometowns. Slash hometowns part two. Starring Avon and, and Lorelai the Witch, the Love Witch. Which is a great movie, by the way, by Anna Biller. If you've never seen The Love Witch, check that fucking movie out. It's really an incredible film. I can't believe they put another bros ad in the tag. At least give us another Lorelai moment. This bros shit was like Never seen anything quite like it. Uh, didn't appreciate. But there were some great things in this episode. Like I said, I think the giving away of the cruise, fantastic. I would love to see much, much more of that sponsored prizes being given to the live audience. <laughs> it, it really does give a new flair to being in the live audience and even watching it. It's like, that's fucking kind of cool. I don't know. I've, I've been reading online. There's like some stipulations that come with the cruise and you have to take it by a certain date and you have to take it from a certain city and whatever. But I don't even really fucking care about that. It's like they gave everybody there a fucking prize. That is cool. I thought I, it was a great addition. If anyone was there and they're not using their cruise tickets, hit up cruise. And yeah, we'll go on that cruise <laughs> with everybody from the fucking live audience. That day. Can you imagine what that cruise would be like? Yeah. If everybody goes on the same time. <laughs> I'm going to make a dynamic duo with the lady in orange. <laughs> I've already decided. But who was your most valuable player? Look, he had a lot of layups. He had this thing handed to him on a hot seat platter. But he executed with a flawless 4TRR finish, apologizing just enough so that he could still be in bachelor contention so that maybe 
he would quiet the forums and maybe he will be our next lead. And for these reasons, Nate Mitchell was my M M M M V P. Interesting. I mean, his address to Mila, baby, you saved me, baby girl. Like, you know, it tugs at the heartstrings. Mm. Even though I can see right before me that it is being laid out, it is like, forgive this man, pace case, fourth audience, forgive this man, yeah. open your hearts again to him. No, he played well and certainly had the the backing of the third audience, the producers with him, but. There was somebody else that I thought played a little better. Who was yours? Logan Palmer was my... M-M-M-M-M-V-P. This man received a villain edit. Nate had a villain post-season parasocial edit. Logan Mm -hmm. had one in the fucking game. They used him specifically to build him into a villain. And then he was the only one of the villains that showed up here tonight. And like you said, I don't know. I'm in conspiracy town with you. They might not have even invited the other ones just so they could fucking like kick him in the head while they aren't there. Nonetheless, Logan takes the hot seat. I thought he perfectly defended every attack and really started his redemption arc here that I think we're going to see carry out in paradise. So in my mind, the best kind of things you can do on a mental law are exactly this. You can overturn a villain edit to try and write yourself once you come into paradise so that you'll have the fourth audience on your side, hoping you find love. All is forgiven. You've, you've, you know, stood in front of the firing squad basically and dodged the bullets. So we're going to give you a chance. (laughs) And I think that that's really one of the most important things you can do that and, and vie for being a lead at the very end, which I think Nate did as well, but I'm not sure that worked. Time will tell, nonetheless. Yeah, we'll have to see. That was our coverage of tonight's big game, The Men Tell All. A very strange one. Uh, more sauce, again, than I've ever seen in a single episode of this program. Certainly more sauce than any of the tell-alls or after the final roses. I just really have never seen one that's scripted top to bottom like this and then has 20 minutes mm-hmm. devoted to advertising for other media. Was it only 20 minutes? It felt like more. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was, including the tag and stuff. I don't know. It was the last two segments or last two portions, basically. And then you had a two and a half to three minute Kardashians trailer also eating up a chunk of the actual document. Well, look forward to covering the next round of playoffs with you next week. Fantasy Suites, part one. Fantasy Suites. This is where crowns are made. Or broken. Yeah, or broken. Tune in to see... Whose crown gets made and whose crown gets shattered? I'm in love and it feels so good. And before we go, as always, what is that dwabat? It has been 7,463 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. 
Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 